All right. Uh, so last week, we started a new series called Recession Proof My Life. And, um, and if you didn't hear that, I, I encourage you to go on YouTube or our page, whatever it is that you'd like to listen to teachings, a podcast, whatever it is, and listen to part one. In part one, we talked about, uh, we, we said this series is going to be really easy. It's going to be like, like a race, like on your marks, get set, go, except we're flipping, you know, and we're doing first get set, because get set has to do with your mindset. If your mindset is not in the right place, then whatever you do will not last because it wasn't in your heart. And so it needs to be in your heart first. So we did mindset last week, which, uh, you know, uh, our declaration with that says, I will thrive when the world's just trying to survive, okay? And, And we also talked about famines in the land or pandemics or things like that. It's not the first time it's happened. It's happened before. It's happened in the Bible. So what does the Bible, what does the Word of God tells us, and what things has the Word of God already given us? And we said one thing is you're going to have to decide whether you believe the Word of God or you don't. Because when the storm comes, it really shakes you up, and whatever's really inside, what you really believe comes out in the form of your response and your reaction, versus just like, oh, well, I used to believe that, you know, but right now, <laughs> this is different, you know. It's not different. God's word has given us an answer for everything we'll ever need in life. So God isn't surprised by a pandemic. God isn't surprised by a new virus or I don't even know these new names. They call them the B something, you know. But anyways, um, if, if you noticed last week, um, we are so not participating in the recession, we don't even know how to spell recession. I know, right? A lot of you were really struggling with that, so there you go. I'm setting you free right now. Um, we said how Jesus told, tells us, you know, several times, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. You know, we're citizens of heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're now ambassadors to this earth. So, so, so you got permission last week to not participate in recessions, to not participate in pandemics. You got permission last week to believe and hope for something different than whatever the world is going through. And that's really when we shine brightest and we really become the salt of the earth. It's like there's a different flavor there. And so um, we have permission to not participate and expect prosperity instead. Okay, so today is part two. And today we're talking about on your marks, which has to do with positioning yourself. Okay, so we said whenever there's a recession, whenever there's a famine, whenever there's a great storm, and a lot of, or most people will suffer, but a small amount or a small percentage will actually prosper, right? Will actually, um, you know, uh, uh, become wealthy, right? There's a wealth transfer happening in the midst of storms, in the midst of recessions, there's a wealth transfer happening in those that are positioned, and listen to me, not Christians and not believers necessarily, but those that are positioned, you know, because there's a lot of believers that just go with whatever is happening in the world, right? But we need to practice our faith and actually put it into action, and the best time to get ready for that is before it comes, so if we've already gotten warnings and we're already hearing the rumors and the things and, you know, seeing the evidence, you know, it's the best time to just be prepared already. Be like, all right, I'm getting ready and I'm bracing myself, but not for the worst, but to actually grow. So what do I need to do in my life to position myself so that I'm from the small minority that actually prospers in the midst of a recession? Are you with me? And so positioning today... Um, 
has to do with, um, with uh, practical things that the Lord has, has to speak to us. But I'm going to speak on um, a certain aspect today. So if you could open up your Bible with me, and we're going to um, start in 2 Kings chapter 4. Okay, and we're going to read uh, verses 1 through 7. And what's happening here is, first of all, God loves to multiply things. Okay, if you, if you pay attention in the word, uh, God created everything, right? And then out of what's already created, he, he hands us things uh, that we can steward, okay? Or that we could put into his hands for him to multiply. And so what happened here is uh, there was a famine, there was a crisis, and um, Elisha the prophet comes and says, One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help? Elisha said. Tell me, what do you have in your house? Okay? And the first thing I want to point out is that most people focus on what they don't have. Oh, well, if I had that, then I I could really do what you're talking about. If I were in this position, then I could really do something, you know. And that's majority of people. That's why majority of people don't prosper and don't advance in times of recession. But instead they go down because they have already excused their mind to say, I don't have what it takes. I wasn't born in the right family. I don't have the right job. I don't have the right this and that. And they look and they focus on what they don't have. But Elisha asks the questions, what do you have? I don't care what you don't have. What you don't have is obvious. What do you have in the house? And she goes, nothing except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, borrow as many jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when if when it is filled, okay? So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There are any more, she, uh, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God, Elisha, what had happened, he said to her, Now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on whatever is left over. And so... God loves to multiply things, right? And he's looking to see, okay, what are you bringing me so that I can multiply? Same thing with, you know, the, the loaves and the fish. You know, there was a multitude that needed to be fed, you know, and everybody's like, we Jesus, like, feed them. And they're like, ah, we don't have enough to feed them. So the first thing they focus is what they didn't have, right? But then one Andrew, you know, he's like, well, we do have this, you know, these loaves and, and this fish. And um, I think it was like five loaves of bread and two loaves of fish. And um, he's like, okay, well, that was what was multiplied, right? So somebody needs, the, the small minority is the one that is going to uh, look at what we do have and say, okay, Lord, multiply this, okay? Now, we all love those miracles of multiplication, right? But however, this was to get this widow out of a bad situation. She was in debt. So God came to a rescue, pulls her out of, of that situation, and gives her more to live on, right? Because whatever we put in God's hands, he will multiply. He's a good God. It's his nature, multiplication, right? And the same thing with the fish and, and the loaves of bread. Like, Jesus multiplied them, and he fed them, right? But he fed them one meal. There was no wealth transfer in this situation. So God wants to, you know, get us out of hard situations and, and difficult places, right? 
But he also, there's another step, there's another level. In other words, we don't want to just be counting on miracles. Because if I need a miracle, it's likely that I'm in a bad place. Are you with me? And so this is when we have to realize and change our mindset and realize we, we're operating, we, we have the... We have the power to operate in the kingdom of heaven's principles instead of in this world and be living in this world. And then when I'm in a bad place and I have to say, God, help me, right, for my next meal. Like that isn't God's will for our lives, right? He will intervene. He will prosper us. He will pull us out of difficult situations, yes. But there's more, and that is the wealth transfer. He wants you to prosper and to have enough for two generations of inheritances at least. That is actually his will, okay? And so many people don't even have anything extra, including time. And so if we're, if we're going to position ourselves for a great wealth transfer, if we're going to position ourselves to actually prosper in times of famine, then we need to not just call on to God when we're in trouble, but we need to prepare in advance and, and be positioned for when those times come, we're ready, Okay? Um, if we go to Matthew chapter 5, in verse 5, and this is what we're going to talk about today. It says, um, because many people don't have the extra. And listen, I've been in the place where I didn't have the extra, okay? I've, I've easily been there many times, many times. I could tell you, I, I, I'll tell you one story. But Matthew chapter 5, verse 5 says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, I want to inherit the land, amen, the earth. Give me some real estate. <laughs> right? You don't like real estate? You know, it's like one of the few things that just historically has always gone up in value. Always. I mean, if the Lord tells you to get any other kinds of investments, that's great. You know? But, you know, there's something about the earth. He gave us the earth. He gave us land, you know? He, he led his people out of Egypt and into a promised land, a promised territory. You know, I believe it's God's will for us to own land, to own territory. So obviously we're speaking about this figuratively as well, okay? But it's, uh, it, it, it'll become a very tangible example, you know, by the end of the day. And so in Matthew 5, I said, blessed are the meek, okay? So there's two things about the meek. They're blessed and they will, they will inherit the land. Okay, and so today we're going to talk about the meaning of meekness, okay, because meekness, I think sometimes we just think it's just humility, and it's a form of humility, okay, but it's more of the action of humility. Um, when we first got married, um, it, it was, we got married in 2005, and I started um, as a loan officer, and I started doing mortgages, uh, I got involved with wholesale mortgages, and I got, you know, I went from one job to another job to a better job, you know, to a job that made a lot of money. And so when I got this job, I remember my salary was $3,500 a month. And that's the, more, the most money I had ever made in my life. I was like, wow, like this is amazing. And I do have to tell you, you know, as, as you know, you know, I grew up in Mexico, but I also have never had a job being a teenager. And don't judge me, Okay. I, I, I went to private school in Mexico City. My only job was to go to school, and that's it, you know. <laughs> and so I never had a job, you know. 
I met Dan when I was 18. I had just graduated from high school, and I had, you know, gone into the mission field, and I, I didn't know that that was what I was going to do after that, you know, but, but, you know, here's Dan, you know, he's telling me stories like, you know, he graduated, he works at a grocery store, he does all these things, and I'm completely clueless as to, like, having a job, you know, so I was a missionary first, and, and I didn't have a job, it was just ministry, and I, actually, I had to pay to be <laughs> a missionary, you know, which is, which is funny, but anyways, um, sorry, long story short, when we got married, you know, it's the first time I got a real job. So I went from job to job to job to job to job, you know. And then I landed this job, you know, where I thought I'd win the lottery. I'm like, $3,500 a month, like, guaranteed? Like, I'm rich. This is awesome, you know. That's like 70,000 pesos a month, you know. <laughs> and so I was super excited, right. Uh, house market was just going crazy. I was around people that were doing you know, million-dollar properties and things like that. So I thought, let's buy a house uh, with one of these no-doc uh, loans. <laughs> you can hear the pain. Ooh, 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 right? And, uh, and so here's what I, what I decided, you know, because I can't say that my wife was uh, fully supportive of this. Um, but I decided, hey, let's get the biggest house we possibly can because we're going to have kids, and we're going to fill it up, so there's my justification, so we'll get the biggest house we possibly can, even though we don't have any kids yet, but, you know, we're going to need it one day, so we're just going to get the biggest house we can, and, um, and uh, well, what's your payment going to be? Well, $3,500. Perfect! <laughs> I know. I had a couple side hustles, and my wife still was working a little bit in the dental field. I thought, hey, I've been missionaries. We know how to eat with nothing. So, you know, it's like, it's easy. But, you know, this house, paid. Mortgage, covered, you know. Wow. Let me tell you, that's quite the opposite of meekness, okay. And so in Matthew 5, 5, it says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And a lot of times we think, like, okay, the meek means weak, right? It even rhymes, you know? It doesn't mean weak, you know? If humility is a mindset, which Philippians chapter 2, and actually I'll read that real quick, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3, it says, don't be selfish, don't try to impress others, be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. It says thinking better than others, you know, better of others than yourself. It doesn't say that others are better than you. It says think of them that way because then you will treat them how humility is supposed to treat them, right? Uh, same thing, you know, when it says, you know, treat your wife as the weaker vessel. You know, people get it all wrong, say, think women is weaker vessel. Women are not weaker, you know. I'd like to see one of you deliver a baby, you know. <laughs> women are not weaker, you know. Uh, they're, they're, they're very strong, and they're very strong in different areas. But it says to treat her as, because that's how God wants you to treat her, as a weaker vessel, meaning you get out of your car and you pump the gas. Man, I get so upset when I see this on this, you know, the guy in the passenger seat on his phone, the girl out pumping the gas. I'm like, ditch this loser. <laughs> Listen, again, women, it's not that you can't pump the gas. 
It's that God tells us how he wants us to treat his daughters. That they're not weaker, but treat them this way as a fragile vase, right? That's how they're supposed to be treated. That's not how they are. Believe me, they're really strong. Have you ever tried to fight with one? (laughs) Really strong, okay? Don't be fooled by the pretty outside. So anyways... um, yeah, verse 4, don't look, on, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. It says you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, okay? So it's an attitude, okay? Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up, voluntarily gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him. Okay, so what Jesus did is that he voluntarily gave up. You know that. Like when he was on the cross, he had the power to get off the cross. When they came and arrested him, he had the power to call a legion of angels. He, had, he voluntarily said, no, that is meekness when you voluntarily restrain your strength. Okay? When I'm wrestling with my son, you know, which I've been wrestling with him since he was, you know, probably four years old, five years old, you know. Like I withhold my strength. I restrain my strength. I don't go at him with my full strength right? That's meekness. Meekness is when you voluntarily restrain 100% of your strength and you pull back, right? So that's an action of humility. And so Jesus was not weak. Jesus was meek. He restrained his strength. As a matter of fact, his whole life was a picture of meekness because He didn't come to do what God could do. He came to show us what a man or a woman full of the Holy Spirit and led by God could do. Okay? So anyways, Jesus was an example of meekness. And he says right here in Matthew 5, Blessed are the meek, those that restrain their strengths, those those that set limits and boundaries and margins, because they will inherit the land. Those that set boundaries, right? With my strength, I set boundaries. With my words, I set boundaries. With my time, I set boundaries. Now with my money, do I have boundaries? Do I have margins with my money? Meekness is the action to humility, to voluntarily restrain your strength. Um, Let's go look at, well, so a couple of things I want you to think about during this time is, is meek, what areas of your life do you need meekness in, okay? So first of all, you know, meekness in finance, okay? Meekness in finance means that you don't spend all you make, okay? Because you have margins, and the opposite of of a margin is a negative margin is is called debt. Uh oh. Okay. Now I'm not talking about your house. Okay. I'm talking about debt and things that we just get because we don't want to wait till we can afford them. Okay. 
And so if, if, if meekness is to be inside the margins and to spend less than 100% of what we have, then the opposite is debt, is being outside of the margins in negative margins. Are you with me? And are you trying to figure in your head how this doesn't apply to you? But, right? <laughs> so meekness, right, is I'm not going to spend 100%. Like, like, I just gave you an example. Like, <laughs> I was not meek with my salary, right? I was way over, you know, the limit. I was in debt every day, all the time, in debt. There was no meekness. I didn't restrain myself. I didn't pull back, right? I went all out and more than I even had. So that's debt. And the problem is if the meek are blessed and inherit the land, then the ones that are not meek are not being blessed and they're going to lose the land. Okay. Let's go to... um, I'm going to show you another place in the Bible. So let's go to... Genesis chapter 41. So if you guys have that up on the screen, let's put Genesis 41. You know, because there's a cycle that starts uh, hurting us when our finances don't reflect meekness, okay? And what happens is that when I don't have enough, um, when I'm not being meek with my finances, then I will need to to trade more time for more money Follow me. I will need to trade more time for more money in order to pay for the part that I'm outside the meekness, right? For the part that I'm in debt. Okay? So now I'm not being meek with my time either because now I'm working more time. Can't even go to church. Can't go on a date. Can't spend enough quality time with my kids because... I had to use more time to make more money because I spent more money than I made. The next thing that happens is that now I don't have meekness in time, but now I start also borrowing time and going in debt in my relationships. So now I'm in relational debt in my marriage. I'm in relational debt with my children because I don't have anything to give to them. And what that does is that creates extra stress right, in my life, because now I'm not sleeping enough, I'm not sleeping good, I have extra stress, okay, and then that stress translates into sickness, because if you didn't know this, about 96% of all sickness and disease is rooted in stress, and so now you're living a life with extra stress, therefore, you're not being meek with your body, Because you're demanding and pulling out of your body more than it's supposed to give to you. You're not even giving it enough rest or good food, right? You're full of stress. So now your body is also in debt. So it started with bad stewardship, right? No meekness in my finances. Then that translated into more time and putting, you know, taking... uh, no uh, Having no meekness in my time, no meekness in my family relationships... And then no meekness in my body and my health, which is going to create a need for more money and more time, which I already don't have because I'm already in negative. And I'm going to continue on this cycle. 
In um, Genesis chapter 41 and verse 31, uh, there was a, uh, another famine in the land, right? Uh, let's start in verse 31, Genesis 41. Guess, uh, oh, sorry, it's here. It says, this famine will be so severe that even the memory of the good years will be erased. So if you remember, this is um, um, Pharaoh calls on Joseph, and Joseph interprets the dream and tells us when there's se- seven good years coming and seven bad years coming, okay? So next verse, 32. It says, as, far, uh, as for having two similar dreams, it means that these events have been d- decreed by God, and he will soon make them happen. Verse 33 says, therefore, Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one-fifth of all the crops during the seven good years. Verse 35 says, have them gather all the food produced in the good years that are just ahead and bring it to Pharaoh's storehouses. How much? One-fifth, right? So store it away and guard it so there will be food in the cities. Okay, so let's skip over to verse 47, okay? Because this was the plan that God gave Joseph, you know, for the famine that was coming. Okay, it says verse... um, uh, yeah, for, chapter 47, verse 13. It says, Meanwhile, the famine became so severe that all the food was used up and people were starving throughout the lands of Egypt and Canaan. By selling grain to the people, Joseph eventually collected all the money. Say with me, all the money. Okay? So he collected all the money in Egypt and Canaan and he put the money in Pharaoh's treasury. When the people of Egypt and Canaan ran out of money, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Our money is gone, they cried, but please give us food or we will die before your very eyes. Joseph replied, Since your money is gone, bring me your livestock. I will give you food in exchange for your livestock. So they brought their livestock to Joseph in exchange for food, in exchange for their horses, flocks, sheep, goats, herds, cattle, donkeys. Joseph provided them with food for another year. And then after that was the land and their fields. And then after that, when they didn't have fields and land to give in exchange for food, they gave themselves up as slaves. And then the next thing was taxes. (laughs) They gave everything for food. So the famine, that's what famine does to people, right? It strips them off completely of everything because they're like, we got to eat. So we'll give everything up, you know, because we need to eat. And they end up being now slaves. You know, the Bible says the borrower is slave to the master, right, to the lender. And so, so they gave themselves up, and now they were the slaves to the lender because now they owed everything just so that they could have survived. So watch this. You know, we mostly pay attention to the people who lost stuff, but I need you to pay attention to the one who had a plan of meekness for seven years and inherited the whole land, right? Joseph caused a wealth transfer from the whole land of Egypt and Canaan to come into, you know, his possession. Yes, it was Pharaoh's, but God gave him the plan. So when the famine came, he was ready, and he's, <laughs> there was a, a, an enormous wealth transfer that happened because he was meek. What did he do for seven years? He was putting away one-fifth. It's 20% of everything, right? He was putting it away, putting it away, putting it away. And so 
he was positioned for the time of opportunity. And when the time of opportunity came, he was in the position he needed to be to receive the wealth transfer. Are you following me? Okay. Whew. In the Great Depression in the 1930s, this happened. Okay, People lost houses, right? And the things that they were indebted because they couldn't make the payments anymore. And, and the bank repossessed a lot of assets and land and houses and everything, right? And they were sold at an auction, at different auctions, right? For pennies on the dollar. Who bought these things? People who had what? Extra cash, right? What do we call people that have extra cash? Meek. See, they had extra cash, and when that time came, there was a small percentage of people that were ready for this. And they, posi they were positioned for a, wealth for a wealth transfer in the middle of that recession, in the middle of that Great Depression, right? The meek. Um, to voluntarily restrain yourself. Restrain your strength to have margins, to have boundaries. Hmm. So, if we read uh, Proverbs 13, 22. Proverbs 13, 22. Good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren or their children's children, right? Two generations. But the sinner's wealth or the wicked's wealth passes to the godly. Okay. How? I mean, I've known this scripture all my life, and I'm waiting, you know. Like, I, I almost had like a, I'm not saying it can't happen this way, okay. But I, on this scripture, I've been thinking, I'm like, okay, where are the wicked people? <laughs> I'm right here. <laughs> you know, I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize, like, it, what, it, what it meant, like, what it took, you know. It's like, there, there will be a time of opportunity where the meek, will inherit the land. It says in um, Proverbs 10, 22, it says, the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich and he adds no sorrow with it, right? There's a lot of people that are doing really good financially, right? But they have a lot of sorrow in their lives. There's a lot of believers that have a lot of sorrow in their life, right? Because why? Either they're not being meek with finances or time, Right? Like, I'm doing really well financially, but I'm working 150 hours a week. Is there even 150 hours in a week? I don't know. They're indebted with time, right? They're not being meek with their, with their family, with their spouse. So they're in debt in their relationships. And what that starts causing, you know, some people are in debt with their bodies. They've treated their bodies really badly for many years, and now they're in debt with their bodies because they've over-abused and overused them and loaded them up with stress. Right? Jesus says, my burden is light, and my yoke is easy. So anything that doesn't feel light uh -oh, or easy, it's not Jesus' burden or Jesus' yoke. Listen, life throws stuff our way, 
storms, difficulties, things do happen that are not God's will. But our response and our preparedness, the state in which we've lived our life determines, you know, how we're going to respond and how we're going to experience that situation. So if you were really weak, but you were fine, and a storm comes, it knocks you down. You're not fine anymore. But if you're standing strong, right, you're not in debt because you have margins around finances, around health, around relationships, around time. A storm comes, you're still okay. As a matter of fact, you're positioned to prosper. Um, and so, are we being meek with our finances? You know, this meekness is what's going to set us up. And so that's what I talk, what I'm, what I mean when I say we need to position ourselves. You know, how do I position myself? Mindset, positioning. What things in your life do you need to restructure? What things in your life do you need to move around, right? And if the first one is I can't volunteer at church anymore, let me tell you, wrong. Wrong answer. Start with the two hours of social media and the three hours of Netflix that you watch every day. Sorry. <laughs> um, Josh, can you come up and play, please? I, I want to pray with you. Um, so if you just close your eyes for a moment, you know, I... You know, Jesus says in, um, I think it's John 17, um, he says, my, my food is to do my Father's will. A lot of times we think that, hey, I got fed at church because I listened to the message um, without getting distracted. And that's the beginning. That's where you get revelation as the Holy Spirit speaks to you. But the real nourishment comes, like Jesus said, when you do what God revealed to you. When you do the will of God. So your actual growth for anything that you learn, anything that you listen, anything that God reveals to you, your actual growth happens not by listening to it. it put, listening to it, you know, gives you a revelation which produces faith, which gives you, you know, a great opportunity to put action to something you have faith behind. That's why if you wait, you kind of lose it. You know, we say if you don't use it, you lose it, right? But there's a reason. It's not just a rhyme. And so your real nourishment comes when you do what God revealed to you. And so there's no better time than right now in order to practice and to know what you're supposed to do about this. Meekness positions me to inherit the land and prosper in peace without sorrow. Meekness positions me to inherit the land and prosper in peace without sorrow. And so, with your eyes closed, I want to I lead you into this prayer for a moment. That you would ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, where in my life do I need to restructure my finances? or my time or my family 
Because see, it takes faith to let go of things and to rearrange things. Because sometimes we think, oh, it's not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough. Right? Well, it takes faith to rest. Because if you can do it all, then where does God come in? You know? You're putting your family, your health at risk and, and all this stuff. Like, do you think that's God's will? No, that's not God's will. You know, there are some things you have to loosen up and let go and rearrange and put in a place that reflects meekness in order to position yourself where you need to be. And so, so right now, just right there in your, where you're at, just say, Holy Spirit, would you show me where in my life I need meekness? Where in my life am I outside the margins? Would you show me if it's in finances, in time, in relationships, or in health, or in all of them? And see, the Holy Spirit speaks to us. So right now, right now, just just stay there for a moment and listen to his voice. Where, where is he saying you need meekness in? You know, it takes courage and humility to live below your means. And it does not mean defeat. It doesn't mean you're less than. It doesn't mean failure. It means you're meek. So, you know, are we brave enough and humble enough to pivot and say, you know what? I was living this way, but I'm going to readjust. Some people can't even tithe and give and sow and live under the principles of heaven's economy because they're so past the margins. And they say things like, when I have this, then I'll give. Let me tell you, that day will never come. And so Holy Spirit, we ask right now, continue to show us right now, where do we need meekness in our lives, in our finances? in our time, in our family, relationally, in our health, maybe everywhere. We want to inherit the land and be blessed, God. Now with your eyes closed, if if you heard God's voice already, for a place in your life or several places where you need meekness, just without looking around, just raise your hand. I just want to get an idea. Who's, man, man, a lot of people hearing God's voice here today. A lot of people hearing God's voice today. That's awesome. That's good. All right. So Holy Spirit will continue talking to you, okay? And next week, I'm going to talk about the last part, which is action, which is go, which is the instruction, which is the, the heavenly idea. So would you just stand up with me real quick? And we're going to do a declaration together, you know? Um, and, and as we declare this, so let, let's be very specific. Close your eyes, okay? And when I say this stuff, I want you to see yourself in this, okay? You need to be able to see yourself in this position, okay? So repeat after me. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for me. And through meekness, I will inherit the land with peace and no sorrow. No stress. Meekness positions me 
to inherit the land and prosper in peace without sorrow. Let's say that again one more time. Say, meekness positions me to inherit the land and prosper in peace without sorrow. Come on, if you believe it, shout for joy to the Lord. Give him praise. Amen.